Captain? How soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast about sports and the law with your host, me, Gabe Feldman, director of the Tulane Sports Law Program and co-director of the Tulane Center for Sport. Today, I'm joined by Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. the pro football doc, a.k.a. the medical Mike Pereira, a.k.a. the former team doctor of the San Diego Chargers for 17 years. Doc and I take a look at some of the thorny medical, legal, and ethical issues that have come up in some high-profile NFL injury cases. We talk about his transition from NFL team doctor to social media doctor and injury guru, how his work might transform sports gambling and fantasy sports, and much, much more. Here we go. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours? Welcome to Dr. David Chow. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Appreciate you and your work. Yeah, likewise. And, and is it okay, okay if I call you David? Oh, that's great. No problem. I'm waiting for one of these days a doctor is going to insist that I call him or her doctor. It's going to be really awkward. I will keep keep waiting for that moment. So I want to start by talking about your experience with the Chargers as the team doctor. You're obviously the team doctor there for a very long time, very popular with the players. and, And as I understand it, still in touch with a number of the players. And I want to take it from a broader perspective of something that you've talked about before of the team doctor designation alongside the medical sponsor for the team Mm. and how the medical sponsorship works where you have the official medical provider. I know it was a little bit different or unique in your situation. So can you talk about that generally, how people typically become team doctors and, and more specifically in your case? In my case, I look at it this way. The reason why I think I had a very unique experience in the NFL is that I don't know that there are official statistics for this, but as far as I know, I was the youngest head team position ever. And for the first eight years of the 17, there was at least one player on the team older than me. The last nine, not so much, but they felt like my little brothers. And so I had a different experience. Usually you get this gig when you've been established, you're 50 some years old and in your medical prime. I got it in my early 30s and there was no question I was on staff and it was an interim designation. By hook or crook, I was able to convert it into a more permanent designation. So that sort of was my path. And yeah, that's why these guys were all friends of mine because I was feeling like I was in a peer group trying to accomplish something with them. So I probably have an unfair or not quite typical situation. And what you're referring to, Gabe, obviously is the sponsorship side. I know about it, but that's not what our deal was. We didn't have a medical sponsorship for the longest period of time. And uh, at one point, the local hospital system offered up a million dollars. This is during my tenure. And the team came to me and say, we like you. Why don't you pay a million dollars and you can have it? I said, look, I don't have a million dollars to spend. That's like a hospital system advertising budget. And what I told them is, look, take the money. We can make that hospital the official sponsoring hospital. We'll drive any emergency room care or stuff over there. 
but you don't want me to do my surgeries over there because I do my best cooking in my own kitchen, so to speak. And so you, you don't want me to go over there and yes, take the million dollars, but one grievance will cost you more than a million dollars. One player that isn't confident in the care and they're going to know that it's purchased in some way will cost you a million dollars. And they said, okay. And they went back and of course the sponsorship disappeared. But then in the last few years of my tenure, the local university was the sponsor. They were the official healthcare provider, yet they didn't have any physicians on staff. So it was actually very clean, but that's the minority. You look around the league, I think the vast majority of the step and repeats behind the coach's head when they talk and a lot of the practice uniform patches on the left shoulder, left chest is medical. It's a big category. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wrote about it at the San Diego Union Tribune, how, let's say, the Cleveland Browns, and I'm not picking on them. It's just a famous example that the Cleveland Browns had a deal with the Cleveland Clinic and the longtime doctors there. And admittedly, Cleveland Clinic is big business in the Cleveland area, and they did pay some sponsorship. But I think that happened after the team physician gig, as they were team physicians first, and then there was some marketing opportunity. And then this was a couple of years ago, but they actually sold it to university hospitals, which is like through Case Western, and then changed the team doctors. But they're not linked. What it is, two separate contracts, one with the doctor and one with the sponsoring institution. So it passes NFL muster. But I would challenge you to find a situation where the multi-million dollar sponsorship doesn't have the team physician aligned. It's just not there anymore. So it's a changing world. Right. And, and I think this is always fascinating to people outside the medical field that I, I think when you go to a doctor as a, just a regular old patient, not an NFL player, and it, you see something on the, the wall, the doctor that says official team doctor of fill in your blank favorite team, that's seen as a stamp of approval that if it's good enough for that team, it must be good enough for you, the average person off of the street. And then people learn, wait a minute, that doctor or hospital might be paid for that. Have there been discussions about just the, the ethics of that within the medical profession? Because again, it's just, I, I think it, it surprises people when they hear about this, that people are paying for the right, for the marketing, but then are also treating the players and then are using that as a way to market for patients outside of the team. Yeah, let me be clear here. There's lots of situations, and it's the majority around the league, where the team physician is affiliated with the sponsoring hospital marketing situation. That's not to say they're not good doctors. Usually, it's the number one sports guy from that university setting or hospital setting. And they're, so I'm not in any way being critical of the doctoring care, but you do see the uh, potential conflict of interest there. Uh, right. I think a lot of times it's potential as opposed to real. But in this world, and people often ask me, do you want to get back into it? Someone just tweeted at me yesterday, hey, will you come to Philly? Because, you know, Philly's had some issues. I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I don't even know that their medical care is the issue or the problem, but that's a whole other story. And right. uh, sure, they had a unique situation where they fired their head team, head team orthopedist, head team primary care doctor, and changed the athletic trainer right after they won the Super Bowl. So that's very unusual. And they've made several changes since. 
But my, I replied, A, I'm not trying to move to Philadelphia. B, the world's changed. I, I don't think that my experience would be the same because I really got along with all these guys and considered them my friends. And now I, I would be the too old guy trying to and spending too much time away from my own family. So I don't know that I really have no interest. But also, second opinions, even as I was ending, ended up being a huge thing. And nowadays, second opinions, when I was towards the end there of the San Diego Chargers, they had one agent who had a lot of the middling players and he would send every one of them out for a second opinion, including a regular low ankle sprain. And I'm like, really, what are you doing here? But then he would send me his Dallas Cowboys guys. So I'm like, am I a bad guy or am I a good guy? So you were the second opinion doctor for the Cowboys players? Not all of them, this one agent. But for some of them, yeah. Yes, for some of them. And so I talked to the agent and I said, look, am I an idiot or am I okay? You're sending out all these people. And he goes, doc, no offense, but the players union tells us to get second opinions. I'm just looking out for my guy. I know you're a good doctor, but I don't want your perspective to be aligned with the team. So I'm always going to get a second opinion. So for the Dallas guy, your perspective isn't aligned with the Cowboys. So I'm good with you. And I was like, okay, to each their own. And so I, I see it. I fortunately ended up doing 98% of the surgeries in-house. They didn't fly out, partly because I think the relationship and they trusted that I had their best interest at heart. But as more and more, it, the team doctor is just the placeholder and then the surgeries go out. And that's right. part of the conflicts that people see potentially. Right. And it's interesting, the, the agent's point and the, the language in the CBA and, and obviously the agent trying to look after the players, but also stay in good standing with the PA, that the players not only have the right to that second medical opinion, but that the club pays for it as long as they meet certain requirements. So there's no financial downside to getting right. that second opinion. But well, here's what I always told players, and I would tell all my patients currently this too. If a doctor tells you, don't go get a second opinion, you should go run and go get one. (laughs) If there are a lot of times I've told patients and players, I don't feel like you need one because it's very straightforward. But if you want to, absolutely. And where do I send the records so that we get a fair shake and, and here's my cell phone. And I would with players just always make sure that they were with somebody and they were seeing a doctor that I felt was reputable and was used to seeing NFL people. Because let me give you an attorney analogy here. An attorney who's big time and busy isn't going to nickel and dime when you send them over a standard contract in terms of language. But an attorney who doesn't deal, let's say, with NFL players is going to find fault with every smallest thing because if all they do is rubber stamp it, then it's like, oh, you didn't add anything. Everyone wants to be feel like they add something. And so I always wanted physicians that in their practice dealt with professional athletes on a regular basis. So there would be no motivation to just say something different and cause a, cause a problem, right? That they're busy enough and uh, deal with these guys. And also what happens in the NFL is a little bit different, right? In terms of the expectations and timetables and returns. You can't judge them on the weekend warrior. So that's why I always wanted. So I just wanted to have influence on who they went to in terms of the quality, not if they went. And and the fact that they were going was no issue with me. So speaking of second opinions, and, and you've written about this, and they're, they're my uh, favorite team from growing up, the New York Jets. And the, the Jets have 
struggled in every way imaginable this year and for most of my lifetime. And you've sort of documented the medical controversies just in the last year or so. And I want to ask you just about one of the specific cases and then more generally. But before I ask you about the specific case, I don't know if you were watching. I'm sure you were. We'll talk more about Pro Football Doc in a minute. Um, But the Monday night game from, I think it was two weeks ago, when Sam Darnold got hurt. And they brought him into the blue tent. And this was, to me, summed up being a Jets fan. There was already a player in the blue tent, but they didn't realize it. So Darnold went in and then had to back his way out and they had to walk him into the locker room. How do they not have something to indicate whether someone's put a sock on the outside of that blue tent to, not, to let them know that there's, there's a player in there, but putting that aside and putting Sam Darnold aside, uh, the, the, the issue with the guard for the Jets, the report was that the Jets were threatening to discipline him because he was refusing to play. Oh, oh that was assembly. He had, as I understand it, an MRI from the team doctor. And then there was a second opinion. It wasn't clear to me who brought the second opinion, whether it was from the Jets or from the player. But then there was an accusation that they were the doctors were not sending correct records or somehow doctoring the MRI images. And he or his agent or some combination said, I'm not going to play. It's, it's clear that I have a tear. The question was whether he should have surgery or not. And apparently his second opinion or some doctor had said, you need surgery. The Jets said, you don't need surgery. And the at least the reporting was that the Jets were threatening to discipline him unless he played. And he said, I, I can't play. I want to play, but I have a torn labral. And then I, as I understand it, the case settled. And then I think he ended up being traded. But how often does that happen where a the, the second opinion is, no, you can't play. And then it leads to this type of dispute between management and player and doctor. You asked a very complex question. And I want to try and simplify an answer, but literally, and I promise I won't do this to you or your listeners, literally talk for an hour. Literally, you could do a sports law course on this very issue. Let me be very clear. With Kelechi Osemele, which I wrote about, and with the article at OutKick from two weeks ago, which I wrote about the five different medical issues related to the Jets, I want to be very clear. Zero of that is any criticism of the team physicians or athletic trainers that are there. Here's why. Number one, I was in the same room with them at the combines, and I know them to be good, okay, with personal experience, okay? So I am not criticizing them when I say the Jets have had some medical issues. I think their issues from the outside are more related to communication. And Rich Samini wrote about it communication related to Jamal Adams, communication as related to Le'Veon Bell. And yes, there's a new GM and there was a new coach that came in. And for me, the five issues that I brought out were in the last year, Kelechi Osemele, which I'll come back to, the wide receiver, Quincy Anunwa, who was Mm -hmm. outraged that he was fined $27,000. He was already on injured reserve and he missed two rehab sessions while on injured reserve. And he was fined $27,000 publicly on a TV screen when he walked in the facility and he went nuts on it in social media. And then this year, 
week one, Le'Veon Bell was reinserted into the game with a hamstring injury. And after the game, Adam Gay said, he admitted, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. He wished they didn't do that or he didn't do that. And I'm not blaming anyone there either. And then we have the Makai Becton, the emergency left tackle, rookie left shoulder, outside shoulder, making it harder, emergency played, but clearly was a little unhappy and came out and couldn't make it. And then Sam Darnold, right? Returning to finish a game, but now missing two weeks. So how does that really make sense? And so none of this is medical criticism, but from the outside, and I've always said from the outside, you always you can't always tell what's going on. But from the outside, it seems like the communication of the issues that are there, not the medical treatment, is not necessarily clear to players. And let's, with that, talk about Osemele. And I wrote about it at the San Diego Union Tribune last year. There is no way in the world, and I would bet my house on this, that any physician, team physician or otherwise, would doctor or alter records in some way, shape, or form on a purposeful basis. How big is your house? How big is your house? (laughs) We just moved, so it's it's a lot of boxes, okay, Okay. (laughs) right now. But that is malpractice, period, end of discussion. And you probably know this, Gabe, but the typical team doctor, they may get lots of prestige and sidelight out of this, but typically their financial compensation is only about 5% from the team. 95% of it is from their private practice and the practice outside the team. Right. Why would you jeopardize your 95% and your other things to do something that can be found out with subpoenas and other things with a f- complete track record? That, right. that is like, that's, there's, all that's documented from independent sources. And so for anyone to change or send something different, it just doesn't pass the smell test to me. Mm-hmm. It's no different than you as an attorney changing a deposition transcript of the, of the opposing side, changing right. their words in print and copying that and sending that off. You're going to get found out, and that's just, you can't do that. But what I can explain in terms of the difference is just like in law, and I'll use this analogy. There are lots of times where you say, look, you have a real case here and it's winnable. And the defense attorney will say, you don't have a case here. And you'll argue about it. Is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? So assembly situation, I think, as far as I could tell, there's no question he had a labral tear. The question is, could he play through the season or did he have to have surgery right now? There are plenty of examples including Kyle Long, who just retired with the Bears, who played several seasons with a torn labrum with a harness on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. George Kittle, to this day, has a harness on the shoulder and has talked about his label tear, but he feels like he's fine and can play through. If the Jets do have some standing, and when I talk to the Jets, I'm sure the Jets team position was giving them options, but the Jets, as in Joe Douglas, does have some standing in saying, why can't you try and play through this? Because other people can. And our doctor said, you could try and play through this. But that's a big difference between you could try and play through this versus you have to. And the other doctor's second opinion is saying, this is what's best for you. And maybe factored in is just purely medically, it's best to not play through it and not take the risk. And he was apparently taking toward all injections. And you cannot make a player take injections 
or medications to play. And you cannot force an injured player to play, even though most players, 85% is a good week and they will play. If a guy is only 95% and he says he can't play, you cannot force him to play. And that's what my article was saying, that the Jets are going to lose this one. If he has a documented label tear, which it seemed like he did, the Jets were going to lose this argument. And this communication somehow was lacking. And that's uh, the basis of what I've said. And I think it's worked out that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I, other than the, the Quincy Nunwa case, which is obviously a little bit different, but are, have there been other cases that you're aware of where the a player has been disciplined because they refused to play, but there was a medical issue underlying it. I, I just, well, I remember a, a case and please forgive me if I get the dates wrong and I might even have the player wrong. I don't think so. We can Google it or look it up. Alonzo Spellman, I believe with the bears had an issue and the team was wanting him, I believe to have surgery. And he wasn't having surgery and was just sitting out. And the team tried to find him. And you cannot find someone for not having surgery. You're a law professor. Signing a surgical consent is your right and a right that you can refuse. Because the surgical consent is allowing another human being, licensed, but allowing that human being to take a knife to you, which is legal definition of assault right? So you cannot force someone to have surgery if they don't want to have surgery. And the Bears lost that. They weren't able to find Alonzo Spellman. And I think there were some complicating factors there where he might have taken a walk in the Chicago cold, bare feet one time. And so I don't know the underlying issues that were all there. But, but uh, yeah, you, it doesn't matter. You can't force someone to have surgery either. And you can't prevent someone from not having surgery if they have a bona fide situation. So let me ask in another specific question then, and then I'll ask you about the pro football doc or profootballdoc.com. The, and again, this is not me being a homer. This just happens to be a sports medical legal story and it's involving the saints, but I'm not sure if you've written about this one yet. If you have, I don't know that I've seen it, but Delvin bro, who recent former saints cornerback filed a medical malpractice lawsuit against the two doctors who were the team doctors for the Saints but were then fired, claiming that they misdiagnosed him and had said that his leg was bruised when it turned out that, in fact, he had a broken fibula that required surgery. And he had continued to play because the doctor said it's just a bruise. He was actually getting criticized by the coaching staff and some fans for not playing well and, and looking like he just wasn't giving it his all. And then he got a second opinion, actually from Tulane. And it turned out that he did have a fractured fibula. And the defense in part so far from the, the team and the team doctors was that it's not uncommon for that type of fracture to not show up in the early x-rays or MRIs or both. And this is a fairly common thing to happen. And so I, I want to ask you, two things. One is how often that sort of plays out where there's the, you make the best determination you can, and then it turns out sometimes you're wrong. And that obviously doesn't make it malpractice. And then two, can you talk through a little bit how it works when a player does sue 
and whether they sue the team doctor and, and how the that lawsuit would play out and, and who would potentially be on the hook? You ask great questions, Gabe. And once again, very complicated answers, but I'll, I will try and simplify. I'm very much aware of that case. And for the record, I will leave off the... I always deal what I call insider knowledge, and I stay away from insider information. Insider yep. knowledge can make you some money in the stock market. Insider information will get you arrested by the SEC, right? Yep. So yep. I am privy to some insider information related to this. So I will stay away from the specifics of that yep. and talk about the general insider knowledge of the situation. From the outside, I can tell you I could construct a circumstance of facts where it is absolute malpractice and I can construct circumstances where there's no way it's malpractice. And anytime there's a controversy, now whether it's my twins, Davis and Dylan, that are seven years old and they're in a little disagreement over whose toy is what, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It is, it's never really as egregious as one hit the other for no reason. Sometimes Davis is right. I have to tell you that. A little insider information there, but go on. Yes. So in any case, so there's no question of what's publicly available that, yes, it's a stress-related fracture, and that doesn't show up on x-ray. And whether there was a CT scan or MRI is a little more sensitive. As long as the doctors ordered a follow-up x-ray, then, and in a timely fashion, I don't see how that's malpractice. If they didn't and ignored it, then that's a different story. But that's a very unusual circumstance because that turned out to be a very public flogging from Sean Payton, where the doctor's names, it was like there were fingers pointed at them and kind of things. And that's usually unusual with that. But enough said, I don't believe this is the tenants of doing a follow-up x-ray if you have continued pain. We tell everybody, if your pain doesn't, we don't see anything right now, but if your pain doesn't go away, you have to come back. That's just like standard. So to think that the Saints doctors didn't say that, now was the team pressuring him and they got mad and this, that, the other, that's a whole nother story. But the second part of what you ask is, because this is work comp, you cannot sue the team. And this is why teams never employ, never say never, I'm not privy to the inside information of all 32 teams, but I have yet to hear of a situation where a team employs the physician. They're always deemed independent contractors, and it's for this legal reason. If the team employed the physician, there is then potential liability, and you could clarify this more than me, to the team. If the team has the doctors as independent contractors and just says, not my problem, Uh, we rely on these independent contract doctors, and in a work comp setting, the team cannot be sued. Can Can there be a grievance? Yes, it's under the collectively bargained situation. And once again, you could uh, chime in on that. But the team cannot be sued for the malpractice side of what's going on. And that's why the contracts are set up the way that they are, independent they're, they're consultants and, right. and uh, independent contractors. And that's right. what absolves the team of liability. So Devin Bro, I'm sure, even though I didn't read the lawsuit, was not and cannot be suing the Saints. If he He's didn't not. get paid for the rest of the season, 
then indeed he could file a grievance to get paid because if he's injured and couldn't finish because of his injury, he should have gotten paid his full salary. And then it circles back to, so if he got paid his full salary, what's the theory of damages? The theory of damages you could come up with better than me. What are the long lasting consequences? And he didn't get his next contract as a result of what happened or who knows, but that is where you would need to get more creative. And that's where his argument is that he played with the injury. It made it worse. And he hasn't played in the NFL since. And But for their alleged malpractice, he would be making a lot more in the NFL than he, than he is playing in... Uh, well, I think that theory would hold league. water potentially. And once again, devil's in the details, so I'm not taking sides. But if his leg now isn't healed and can't heal as a result of trying to play through, then potentially he has a case. Right? But right. if it is healed which one would assume unless he has a metabolic disorder. I don't know where that would go, but I'll leave it up to the legal pundits to figure right. that out. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. What, what complicates that story even more, as you may know, the Pelicans are, as Saints are owned by the same, t- same owner as the Pelicans. And the medical provider is the same, not surprisingly, for the Saints and the Pelicans. So although they fired those two doctors, they still have the same medical provider. And those two doctors are still serving, as I understand, as the team doctors for the Pelicans. So they were fired from the Saints, but serving for the Pelicans. Um, Yes, that is my understanding as well. So does that mean that they're really bad doctors and the Saints or the Pelicans don't care about their players? Or does it mean something else? Exactly. That's what we have to ask Anthony Davis. So last question on to profootballdoc.com. I've mentioned it a couple of times and it's uh, it's been fascinating to watch you. I, you know, I feel like I've, I feel like I've, I know you all. This is the first time we've actually ever spoken just from following you on Twitter and watching your Twitter following growing and reading your articles and now seeing you on Outkick and tell me a lot of questions here, but the first question is, Tell me the original plan, if there was one, and what the plan is now. Because as we've talked about offline, you and I are similar in a way where we're doing some of this because we enjoy it and then we'll see where it goes. But it's not as if we had a business plan from day one to say, I want to do things that are interesting and fun and break new ground and leave your mark in life. And I think you're a type A guy, you're the same, the sports law world that you're pioneering and, and the media stuff that you're doing. I don't know that I have a plan though. My main financial remuneration is still as an orthopedic surgeon. I know I don't want to go back to being a teen physician. It's just the grind and the hours away from family. And it just wouldn't be the same age group. I'm too old now. And before I never minded spending all the extra hours because I was among friends. And now I would like regret the extra hours and, and not love being there. And that's not the way to be a team physician. But in terms of the plan, what it is, it's go with the flow. What I said from the get-go was if one year to the next, I was doing the exact same thing and there was no growth, then I should move on because then it's a stagnant idea that doesn't work. And every year there's been something new and different. And as far as how it started, I looked at people who don't know, say, you're watching on TV. How do you know? 
And I make no bones about it as gay, but yes, I'm watching on TV. I'm looking at the video tells you a lot. If you go to the doctor, let's say you're playing indoor soccer and you say, I hurt my knee. The doctor says, what happened? I was running straight ahead and someone came to me from my right and ran into my right knee and my knee went this way and I felt a pop. Well, that's the video, right? Of an acute injury. Now, overuse is a different story, gradual soreness. But I would, after, for 17 years, after seeing a player on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, after an MRI the next morning, I usually had about 45 minutes to kill before meeting with the GM. So the head athletic trainer and I would go upstairs and look at video. Why? Not sure, because a lot of times I ask players, what happened? I don't know. I got to look at the film. And that's what coach said. I got to look at the film. And we had access to the film and the video guys were awesome. And they would pull up the film. And what was I doing? I don't know. Get better at my craft, Gabe. I don't know. I didn't have a plan. And what that taught me is I knew the answer. And now I got to see the question because of the video. And now I don't know the answer, but I get to see the question. Right. (laughs) And so that's how I do what I do for video. It's not by accident. And, and, And by the way, this whole concept is by accident. And I have to credit my wife. So I got married late in life and had boy-girl twins and thought I could keep doing this football stuff. We, I had the twins in October during the football season. And three days, my wife was still in the hospital after her C-section when I went on a road trip. Okay? Yeah. And she yeah. was waiting for me an extra day in the hospital to go home as I got back from the road trip on Sunday night. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to work, but I might have to quit immediately. And it worked out fine. And then come January, three months later, it got a lot harder. I actually thought I could keep doing this. And you know why it got harder, Gabe? Because when you have twins for the first three months without asking, the grandparents come out of the woodwork. (laughs) And and after three months, they say, you're good, you're on your own. And it got harder. And that's why I had to move on. So that next fall, I am sitting on my couch for the first time on a Sunday watching football and my wife's sitting next to me and a guy goes down and walks off and the announcers say something to the effect of, I thought that was going to be bad, but he looks fine. He walked off. And so we hope for the best. I'm like, eh, his season's done. He tore his ACL. And my wife turned to me and said, tell it to someone who cares. Of course, in the <laughs> kindest of ways, translation, I like football, but I don't need those details, but someone else probably does and will care about it. And she signed me up for Twitter. I had no idea what Twitter was. And that's how it started. And I just started randomly and it started catching on. It started with friends who were players with Twitter accounts would retweet. And then it started to grow organically. And that's what I mean. As long as it continues to grow, that means it's a good concept and I'll keep doing it. If it becomes stagnant, I won't. And then, of course, with the PASPA, with the legalization of gambling, the the Supreme Court ruling, the information I have is perfectly fit for that. Look, in media, people think I'm trying to become, I've often described what I do as the medical Mike Pereira, and I've Mm -hmm. talked to Mike about it, and he's been very gracious in saying, yes, thank you. He takes that as flattery. I saw him again at the Super Bowl, and he joked that he should be calling himself the the referee pro football (laughs) doc. I'm like, not quite, but whatever. Mike's awesome at what he does. He's made a marketplace for referees. But we're a long ways from media speculating on injuries, right? That's one of the principles. Yes, Tony Romo got some grief on Dak saying, gee, I hope that's a cramp. He got some grief on that. And that was just an offhand casual comment. 
And so I don't believe we're close to having me or someone like me on air speculating on injuries. But I think there's a tremendous marketplace in the fantasy world, DFS world, and gambling world now that it's legal. I knew the gamblers were using my stuff, but I stayed away from it because it wasn't legal, right, as an orthopedic surgeon. But now that the Supreme Court allows it, and or at least leaving it up to the states, I'm embracing the information. And so it's just what I have is information. And I would look at it this way. There's a lot of states legalizing marijuana, cannabis, CBD, whatever, whether it's oils or edibles or whatever it is, or smoking or this, that, the other. In the CBD gold rush, I'm not trying to grow hemp, manufacture it, process it, distribute it, or do whatever. In the marijuana CBD gold rush, I would be supplying hemp fertilizer. What I do in the injury world is to provide information for people to use it in whatever their own craft is. For you in the media world, for a gambler in wagering, an in-game player for in-game stuff, a DFS guy, how the defense is or what his health is, what questionable really means. So I'm an augment of information. And what I do is I don't repeat. It's injury analysis, not injury reporting. I don't repeat that this player is questionable. I say this player is listed as questionable, but I think he's going to play and he's going to be 100%. And how long he's going to be, I think one more week plus the bye and he'll be back week eight, that kind of stuff. To try and give people some information analysis on the injuries. And it's never 100%. It can't be. It's no different than you're saying how you think a judge or a jury might rule. More right. times than, rot, you're, than not, you're probably correct, but there's no way you can be clairvoyant. It's interesting because the Mike Pereira, and I think he's great, but and it's helpful to have somebody who knows the rules on the broadcast, but it, it just strikes me as odd that they are making a prediction that we're going to get the answer in 10 seconds or 20 seconds. <laughs> and and with, with what you're providing is we're, we're not going to get that answer right away. So it's much more valuable to have somebody say, that's a serious injury. That's not a serious injury. And, and when people are watching, they want to know, wait, he walked off to the locker room. Is he coming back or not? And that's, as you said, obviously there's a lot of this in terms of what it means for gambling or, or for fantasy sports, but there is also still it's a dying breed, but just the sports fan who likes his team or her team and wants to know right. is my quarterback and, coming back or not. And, and so I, no, no question about that, Gabe. But here's the other thing that I try and say and do. I understand what coaches and teams and GMs do because yeah. I look at it this way. If you're getting audited by the IRS, do you want a good accountant? Or do you want a good accountant helping you who used to be an IRS agent? I'm the former IRS agent. That's why former prosecutors make the best defense attorneys. I mean, yep. that, the, the same thing, how they think. And look, yep. I am not calling anybody out, but everybody knows there's something called coach speak. Okay. Let's just say something I heard this morning. Coach Peterson is saying Lane Johnson with his ankle is day to day. He got this second opinion and he's day to day. He's been in and out of games the last few weeks. And I said day to day, but it really started over a month ago. And one of the right. beat reporters said actually two months ago. 
So right. here's a month-to-month situation that clearly is being characterized as day-to-day. Now, is right. he lying? No, it's called coach speak, right? They're not trying to give you the truth. Matt Nagy, two Thanksgivings ago, said, Mitch Trubisky is going to play. I looked at the video and said, he's not going to play. A major reporter said he was going to play on Thanksgiving. And I said, he's not going to play, and he didn't play. And those major reporters on the day of said, it's a short week. If it were a longer week, he would have played. I said, no, not so fast. I don't think he's playing next week either. And I took great, I had a chuckle when I read an article that interviewed Chase Daniels' wife, who was the Bears starter on Thanksgiving when uh, Trubisky was out for that game against the Lions. And by the way, the line moved from three and a half to two and a half across the three line after I I wrote that. But in any case, the Friday after I saw an interview with Chase Daniels' wife, and it was a human piece where they said, what's it like? Your husband's in the NFL for all these years, and he finally got a start. And she said, it's a crazy week. Monday, I was getting ready to host Thanksgiving at our home, knowing that my wife, my my husband is going to be on the road in Detroit, but the rest of the family was coming over kind of deal. And then I get a call from Chase Monday afternoon saying, pack up, get on a plane to Detroit. It's going to be my first start. So she knew on Monday. Yeah. Nagy and the Bears knew on Monday, they just weren't telling the world. And that's not wrong. That's not illegal. That's just the way it works. And that's where, and, and I really appreciate this, and I have to credit Bill Simmons for this. I've never met Mr. Simmons, but think the world of his work. But a year or two ago, he talked about me on his podcast for two hours. And I think you're old enough to get the analogy, Gabe. Some of the young ones aren't going to be. But he said, this guy's really interesting. You follow this? He was talking to Cousin Sal and he goes, Cousin Sal saying, yeah, he goes, you know what he is? He goes, he's like Quincy. He, you know, <laughs> Jack Klugman character that the show Quincy, yeah. he figures yeah. it out from this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I was flattered by that. But like Jack Klugman, you pick someone <laughs> a little younger, <laughs> but, but whatever, you get the point. And, or as some would say, as the young guys would say, maybe CSI or something. Or maybe House MD or, yeah. Look, Quincy is right in the wheelhouse in terms of the average age of movie references or TV references I make. So that'll fit in (laughs) well with all the other references my listeners don't get. So it's, but if you haven't seen it, listeners watch Quincy, it's actually a good show. (laughs) Um, Last question. I I have a lot more, but I'm going to save them for, I'm going to love to have you back on because there's a lot we haven't had a chance to talk about, including how and if you see this applying to college sports and the the separate issues that come up there when the legal issues and privacy issues with college students, which we'll save for another time and the elimination of the probable designation by the NFL. And I've got a lot of other things, but in the last 20 seconds, you had your end of the decade podcast, I guess, last year when you talked about the biggest medical um, development over the last 10 years and you talked about CTE and, and just how the NFL has changed so much over the last 10 years, taking out the, the crystal ball and recognizing that everybody's crystal ball has been smashed over the last eight months and we nobody knows anything anymore. But to, to put yours back together, what do you think we'll be talking about in five to 10 years as the big change, medically speaking? Or do you think it's still going to be CTE and head injuries? Or, or do you think we're going to be on to, to something else? Gabe, I wish I knew. I wish I was that smart. Look, way back in March, I did say when the pandemic first started that I felt football would start and start on time. And then where we went from there, 
would be a question mark. And by football, I meant the NFL. And uh, we're hitting that now. But even then, I didn't know all the, the turns and trials. It's unpredictable. And I'll give you a short analogy here. In the last few years, handful of years, every time someone got hit, every single Sunday, I would have a tweet sent to me saying, shouldn't this guy get checked? That was terrible. I remember a play this year when Justin Herbert took out Damian Wilson, linebacker of the Chiefs on the sideline. And it looked like Wilson got the worst of it. And all mm-hmm. TV said was, Justin Herbert, look at how tough he is. There wasn't a single Twitter comment to me or anyone else that I saw saying, what about that Chiefs linebacker who obviously needed help off the field? Now, it turns out he returned. But in years past, it would have been holy heck. The NFL's cheating, the CTE issued it. I can't believe they're doing that to the guy. How did he enter the game? Not a peep. And that's how short sometimes our attention spans are, right? We move on to the next. And right now, it's COVID for everything. So the CTE issue has not gone away. And it's still there. And football is not a contact sport. It is a collision sport. And the NFL is trying, but there's no way they're getting rid of the impacts the way that they are. And they've done a good job trying, but it is what it is. But I can't predict what it's going to be. Is there the next CTE? Does CTE come back on? All I can do is uh, react and, and give analysis as it comes. It's I'm trying to be Quincy, trying to solve the mystery after it happens. I'm not right. trying to, uh, here's another reference. I'm not trying to be Karnak, Johnny Carson, holding the envelope Ooh, in my right. head and, and, and saying yeah. what's coming next. But when yeah. it does come, I'll try and interpret it. So what you need to do is Marty McFly and have a time machine where you can go in the future and then come back. <laughs> Another good reference. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm not sure of that that ski vest is uh I would wear that ski vest that you wore. But <laughs> I I will give you my prediction because nobody remembers the wrong predictions. I can then I can always come back and say I got it right. But I, I think, and I'm, again, I'm, this is another question I'm curious to hear you talk about when I have you back on, but is wearable technology and how it changes the way that people evaluate players, evaluate health and safety, keep people on the field, off the field, and then all those so I many privacy issues. Gabe, I couldn't agree with you more, but I would argue it's already here. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's fair. There's wearables are being used. The generation of wearables right now are like, once again, a dated reference, a compact 64, or remember those Casio data bank watches that we, I mean, I had one in high school and thought it was really cool. I could store 50 or hundred phone numbers in there and the technology <laughs> grows. That's where we are at with the wearables now, but we right. are clearly in the wearables. And I actually have a, uh, a, a, a part of and help pioneer this blood flow uh, modification therapy with a wearable component. And uh, there's a company that I'm working with some wearable technology and, and sensors and different things. Yes, that's absolutely, and I am on board with that a thousand percent. It's just, we don't know, we know wearables are here and here to stay. Right. We, we're just scratching the surface on it, but I would agree with you there. So the good call. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, well, we'll end on that agreement and, and compliment. So uh, thank you so much. David, this has been terrific, and I will enjoy watching the the next stage of ProFootballDoc.com, and and I'll be following your Twitter account as always to check in on injuries for my favorite players. And, and yeah, and and for your listeners, check it out ProFootballDoc.com. It's free to cre- create the account. We don't spam you. We don't sell your information. We don't ask for a credit card. We don't even have any ads on there right now. 
we're a growing burgeoning thing. And we did close some seed financing because I would just do it myself and get it going. But I can't look at my wife and said, wait, so you're going to spend all this time on Sunday, Monday and Thursday, and then you're going to invest some of our money? I'm like, no, no. So we took some investment money, but we're growing something special. And I would love to hear the, the feedback. And once again, even for pro, profootballdoc.com, I don't know where that's ultimately going. Is this a pure wagering? Is it DFS? Is it injury information? It's not a tout service. It's just information for you to u- utilize with what you're doing. I, everybody should check it out. I, I, again, wish you the best of luck and let's stay in touch. And I'd love to have you back on again. Thank you, Gabe. All right. Thanks, David. Be well. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, of course, to our longtime sponsor, RipVest. Two years running, the number one rated RipVest company in the country, RipVest. See you all next time, Between the Lines. I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you.